Hello, neighbor. I am Amanda O'Fox Gillespie. I welcome you to Folk University's Folk You Talk Show on CKTZ 89.5 FM and on the web at CortezRadio.ca. Ever wondered what is Folk University? It is an experiment in slow learning. It is a question. Can we create a more resilient and enjoyable community simply by sharing what we already know with each other? Folk University is an opportunity for neighbors to share our ideas, our interests, our skills, our passions, our jokes with each other. It is the only university where nobody ever graduates. This is just a reminder that Cortez Radio and its board are not responsible for the opinions, advice, and information that you hear on the Folk You Talk Show. And they don't have any money anyway, so don't bother suing them or me. Speaking of which, the radio station is doing a fundraiser. We will take pretty much anything you have, $10, $1,000, $10,000, unwanted children, the bathroom sink. All right, well... Perhaps we'll stick with cash. You can pay via e-transfer, check, credit card at CortezRadio.ca. You can e-transfer to CortezRadio at gmail.com. And somehow we are the only radio station in the world where I'll just tell you the e-transfer password over the airwaves. It is C-K-T-Z. Um, I don't know why it's a password if everyone's allowed to know it, but <laughs> apparently it is. You can send checks, cash, money orders, those ch unwanted children, all to the care of the Cortez Community Radio Society, Box 210, Manson's Landing, BC, V0P1K0. But pretty much, I think if you dropped it in the mail on Quadra or Cortez and put a stamp on it and just said Cortez Radio, we'd find it sooner or later in the right place. So thank you. Thank you, neighbor. Thank you for all you're doing and for your care. Um, I am super pleased to let you know that there is still one more resilient enterprise training series being done with FOCU and largely by Cortez Community Economic Development Association for you to practice and grow your business skills. Tomorrow, June 27th, they have their business planning 101 class. This is like an entire year of business school in one, I think it's a four-hour day. Um, I think the prices start at $10. So really, you can't, you can't lose with this. If you think you have a social enterprise or a business that you would like to launch, check out this event at cced.ca backslash events. Or if you can't remember that, you can go to the folkyou.ca, folkyou.ca website and get more details there as well. All right, ladies and gentlemen, neighbors all over, I have perhaps my most sought after, most elusive of all guests yet today. Brian, with some last name that it seems very hard to pronounce, I'm going to guess Feifel. From the Cortez Waste Management Center, we are going to learn about 
what what we're doing at the Waste Center, what is garbage, what is recyclable, what doesn't need to ever go to the Waste Center, how you can participate better, where we're going to could go one day, what we, where we've been, because come on, one person's waste is another person's treasure, and we have a treasure with us today. Brian, thank you for being here. Amanda, thank you. Pleasure <laughs> to be here. I, 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 I don't think I've ever been this close to you, even though we are six feet apart in a little <laughs> room, but I've only ever seen you sort of at a distance with the sort of, that's Brian. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm pretty excited. And as I've already mentioned multiple times, this has been a heavily requested show. People want, I think people like truly want to do a better job um, with their waste. And a lot of people recently have been super motivated to start some new projects to get in particular organics out of the waste stream. So having you here is a dream come true. And I want to know a little bit more to start about you, how you got here, why you're here and why, why waste management? Well, I came here almost 30 years ago in love, and six months later, we broke up, and I was living up at Redlands, and I met a fellow up there named Tim Taunt, who's no longer with us, and he had a welding fabricating shop, and I took a job with him, doing really well, learning lots, and a year later, he dropped dead. And I ended up buying the business, the welding business, from his wife. And I had Welltown Fabricating here for 12 years. And then I moved on and I had Brian's Metal Artwork for another eight years. And I'm 63 now and I'm getting old and some of that stuff was getting heavy. So I looked for another occupation. And I joined Dova at the recycling center and worked for her. And we started transitioning that place through new management down at the Comox Valley Regional District. And I worked with Dova for, I believe, four years when she retired. And then I applied for the contract. I got it. And as people can see, I changed that place right around <laughs> into a nice, clean, clean, I've been told the cleanest recycling center in all of Canada. We'll just stick with it's the cleanest one in BC. And the other thing that's incredible that I've noticed um, at our recycling center and waste center is that it feels like a recycling center. I don't know anywhere in a community this size um, where so many things are taken. Um for recycling and where there's really this sort of opportunity to not to feel at least like things are not just going in in uh, the garbage so um can we can you talk a little bit about about waste and waste in the region what happens to our garbage our recycling when it leaves the island how like what like what do we knew no what does it cost us to send things off island um how secure is the world where we have things like plastic recycling give us the big picture well first of all our landfill goes down to courtney to the landfill down there the the one in campbell river is full um, I believe it's six years ago now, Recycle BC started a program to start taking a lot of our recycling out of landfill and coming up with programs for it. 
our center today, we have so many programs there as a, compared with 10 years ago. We have electronic recycling. We have your basic, any appliance, a lamp, a, a fan, a heater, a toaster. We have the electro, electronic program now. We have a paint program. We collect all old paint. We have a light bulb program, all light bulbs. We have a used oil program. We take that as long as it has no water in it. We just recently became a CSIS depot, which is Canadian Electro- Electrical Stewardship Association. It's a big name for a little program. And so we are collecting just about everything now. And we have different categories, different streams for all of it. And it's amazing what Recycle BC has done and the province of British Columbia over the last six to eight years. It's just amazing what we're keeping out of landfill. And we keep striving to keep more out constantly. And do do we know? I mean, I know that we're keeping them out here, but do we know what happens to them once they leave the island and how, like I've heard a lot of communities in the States have stopped the recycling programs because China is no longer taking a lot of plastics. Who knows whether they are recycling them anyway. Um, what do we know about recyclables um, when, once they leave here and what, what's happening with that waste? Well, it's not going in landfill or it's not being dumped in the ocean. We still get a lot of feedback from people saying, oh, they don't recycle it. Well, the province of British Columbia does. Recycle BC has categories and they track it. One individual or one company down in the lower mainland that was collecting soft plastic, they put trackers in the load and they got caught trying to take it to a normal landfill and dump it. Recycle BC's gone all over the world where our streams go. They have gone to those organizations. They see our products are being recycled. So there's a lot of people that think, no, it's not being done. It is in the province of British Columbia. And if you'd like to know where some of the streams go, for instance, your hard plastic, your containers, your dish soap, your laundry soap, your all those type of containers... Go to Metro Van, and pellets for new packaging is made out of it. Now, one of the things that's being made is your squeeze tubes that your toothpaste and different products come in. That's just one of the products that is being made out of it. Paper and cardboard, it's going overseas and to the U.S. They're constantly looking for new markets for it because, yes, China doesn't want our crap. China does want clean plastic everything in its proper category but not just a just a compiled pile of crap nobody's accepting it anymore our glass stays in bc it's used for sandblasting aggregate in the construction industry our metal goes to ontario and the u.s and it's it's processed and it makes new sheet metal for fridges stoves ovens those type of products In the last few years, we've been collecting styrofoam, and it's a huge hit. And the foam is also staying in Metro Van, and they're making picture frames, crown molding, and all these type of products out of it. Our plastic overwrap, which is a new program in BC, 
The actual soft plastic we've been taking for a few years. They created another category called other flexible packaging. And that's more of a crinkly type plastic. Let your, let's say your, your cherries come in, anything with a Ziploc, your potato chip bags, although they're not plastic, it, it goes into this other flexible packaging category. We are doing amazing at keeping this stuff out of landfill. However, one of the problems it does cause at the recycling center is all this plastic is people bring it to us all mixed in one bags. And we have two categories, and it takes us, one staff member, Aaron, is basically spending his whole day separating the one category from the other. If we could get the public to separate those prior to coming to the recycling center, it would hugely benefit the whole system. Staff at the recycling center is always willing to spend time and educate anyone how to collect these, how to separate them, and move forward with that one. One of the categories with the other flexible packaging is they're doing experiment, research, and develop, development with making fuel. And it's a substitute for coal, and it's a substitute for other items. And they're working hard on that one. And what else do I have here? That's pretty much all of our categories that we collect in the recycling building. Well, big majority of them stay in BC. Like I said, a couple go into Ontario and the U.S. And they're always searching for new markets for these. This seems like a really good time to just go over in detail what, what a dream recycling drop-off would look like. What would what exactly would we have in what kind of bags? Um, so you know, like flex, flexible packaging. You just want flexible packaging, for Correct. instance, and that means it could be in a plastic. It could be in a plastic bag, separated from the other soft plastics. You could have it in a tote. You could have it in a cardboard box. If the two streams are separated, it would help tremendously. Since we had this COVID issue now too, one of the things we're noticing is if people could pre-sort their materials at home. It's always been a practice to just run, go along the shelf there to the next window and go back and forth. But during these times now, where only two people at a time are allowed to recycle. It's to everyone's benefit if you could pre-sort at home. We've had people take up to 45 minutes going back and forth along the counter while other customers are waiting in line, some patiently, some impatiently. So with the COVID, we've noticed this is one of the major changes Islanders could do at home prior to coming to the recycling center, and that would include also flattening your cardboard. People stand at the window wanting to flatten their cardboard or drop off three boxes in the window and it takes the whole window we understand that with all these changes our new building isn't designed right because of all the changes however we have this building for a long time in the future and it's going to be there so if people could assist us prior to coming to the recycling center having their cardboard broke down having all their items in their separate category whether it be in a tote a box, a plastic bag, it just simplifies the system so much. 
Does that include having hard plastics, metal, um, styrofoam, glass, like every single thing separate from each other? That would be awesome if we could do this because we only have four windows. But inside, if you bring us a box of styrofoam, bang, we get to dump it. You bring us other flexible packaging, we can just dump it. But when we have to sit there and sort the whole box that has soft plastic, flexible packaging, tin cans, styrofoam, when it's all co-mingled together, it takes a tremendous amount of time to re-sort it. When initially, if people had a separate tote or a separate cardboard box for each one of those categories, it would, it would tremendously help the system. Now, I know a lot of people say, oh, I'm just going to go there and do it in the window. That was fine, but like I stated, now with COVID, everything's changed. We're only allowed maximum six vehicles in that center at a time, and only two people can recycle. So the ease of keeping people moving and keeping people in a good mood and being cordial and respectful with each other pertains a lot to being pre-sorted and organized so let's talk a little bit about what have you seen happen during covid are is the amount that people are just throwing away skyrocketed um are people taking the time now that recycling has opened back up to to start recycling again what what have you seen happen the majority of the island is the same they didn't bother, oh, I'm just throwing in this landfill. We had a small period where we're not accepting it in the building where it had to go in landfill if you chose to bring it to us. But now there's a bit loosening. The categories are changing with the government on what's allowed, what isn't. It's just better for everyone if it's all pre-sorted. And staff is always willing to assist you in this, always. We try daily to pass on information to people and make their life easier and make ours easier and what okay so now this is i imagine part of the tricky thing a lot of people get their garbage picked and recycling picked up which is you know thanks to our neighbors you know putting in the back of their trucks and that kind of thing how um i imagine most people then when they're getting their recycling um, and garbage picked up are not putting them in six different bags. Um, although maybe you see that they are. How does this, um, like, are you seeing some people who are getting their garbage picked up who are doing a really good job? How are they managing to do it? And what are your feelings about pickup versus drop off? One of the complications we face is with the RBC and the government programs. Not everything's allowed at the end of your driveway. For instance, soft plastic, other flexible packaging, glass is not allowed in your curbside recycling. It's a province-wide issue. We are only one of, I believe, four or five, maybe up to eight places in BC that takes everything. And this is causing quite a confusion because people put it out in their curbside but it's not allowed in the curbside program. If you lived in Campbell River, it's not allowed in the curbside program. For instance, other flexible packaging, London Drugs is accepting. So when it comes to our center, it gets really confusing because we accept everything there. 
and yet the curbside doesn't and curbside is constantly leaving notes that no this does not go in your curbside program so on the little island well people well that means i have to take it to the recycling center well unfortunately to fit into the programs that's the way it has to be because the curbside they don't get paid for it they're not mandated to pick it and it caused a huge safety issue with people putting their glass in their plastic and whatever and Aaron, who works for us, and almost cut his fingers because people keep putting glass where it doesn't belong. Then it goes in the baler. Now it gets broken, and Aaron was wrapping one of the bales in stretch wrap, and he just about cut his fingers. He's a musician. He does not want to be cutting his fingers, nor do we want to see anybody hurt. So it's a huge WorkSafe BC problem. But you have to understand it cannot go on your curbside because someone along the line, you leave it at the end of your driveway, now it comes to us, that glass is in there, it's kept broken, maybe the person working at our recycling center doesn't get hurt. But now it goes down to Terra in Cumberland, maybe one of their employees get hurt. After that stream, it keeps going. So we cannot take glass in the curbside program. You have to bring that to us. We're also a depot where everybody brings us their refundables. Well, nowhere else do you bring your refundables. We don't give money for it. People do not want to take it to the store to receive money for it, so they bring it to our building. So my staff, I give it to my staff, and they take it to town on their own time, and they process it. But again, back to the curbside program. These things are not allowed in that program. Simply, it's a safety issue. And we can't keep, so we actually cut curbside off from bailing. I think it was back in January. We refused to bail it. I took it to the regional district. They agreed. Amterra, where the next stream was, they agreed. And then we took it right to RBC, Recycle BC, and we can no longer do this. So now, trucking our curbside out of here has to go in the big mega bags as opposed to being bail. So now we're taking more trucking to get this off the island, more containers, more expenses, because we have to put an end to that. If somehow we can continue for a period of time, inspect these bags occasionally, and if we come to a point where we finally get to no glass in them, maybe we can restart bailing it again. We can save taxpayers money on getting it hauled off the island but until everybody on the island wants to behave like that and not put it in there, we're costing our own selves money by not making it into a proper little bale that it could be leaving in, and it's taken way more room in one of these containers. I just shipped off a container today, and one of those containers only holds 16 mega bags like that. However, I can get 40 bales in that same container. So it's causing a big problem, but we're all working at eliminating it. Margaret and Henry, with their curbside run, they're leaving notes every week to people. And yes, to some people, it is an inconvenience because they have to bring it to the recycling center. But it's safety over inconvenience for my staff, myself, and everyone else down the stream where these products go. So I don't fully understand what bailing is. So is that the process of taking the the bags like of recycling and 
and making it smaller. Will you tell me a little bit more what yes, baling is? we have two baling machines there. One we do cardboard, which is called OCC, Old Corrugated Cardboard. That's, we have one baler that we do cardboard and paper in. Then we have a, another baler, which we do all the plastics, tin. Um, yeah, that, that would be it on that one. And the soft plastics and the other flexible packaging, they're all baled. Takes up way less room to ship it off this island as opposed to a mega bag, which is a cubic yard. Three foot by three foot by three foot. And a bale is 20 inches by 36 by 20. So in a space of four bales, or um, four mega bags, I could put 12 bales. So there's a huge difference. And so when things are picked up curbside right now, rather than separating them, the bags and, and the materials, the materials, the recycles, recyclables inside the bags so that they can be bailed, they're put in these mega bags and then shipped off Correct. and sorted somewhere else. Correct, for safety. Wow, that yeah. is really dramatic. I had no idea. Yeah, and we tried for five years. For five years, this went on with glass in it and glass in it and us finding broken glass in the bale or finding it on the floor turning a bale I've actually cut myself a couple of times but not bad but still it's it's a process we have to change we have to get better when it comes to people being injured so what do you what's the ideal thing for people to do with broken glass not broken glass any glass any well right but <clears throat> the it, ideal it thing to do with glass is yeah. to take it separately yes. to the center correct which is the only correct thing to do with glass. What right. happens when you have broken glass? I've always been like, you got to keep that completely away from anyone who's going to handle it. Um, but nope. if you're bringing it to the center, can you bring broken glass to yes. the center? Or should you keep it in your waste stream? No. Nope. Bring it to the center. We accept it. If it's household glass, we do not, ex we do not accept pane glass, mirrors, ceramic, your coffee cups, your plates. None of that goes in the glass program. Just glass. So if you bring me a, a broken pickle bottle, not a problem. A broken juice bottle, not a problem. It just goes in with our glass because we are not compressing it or bailing it. It's leaving in a mega. All glass leaves in mega bags. So there's no crushing. There's no anything. We used to crush it on site and we built a road out of it. But the government cut us off that because now they want all of that. But 20 years ago, we crushed it, or even 10 years ago, we crushed it and made roads out of it going down behind the recycling center. Now the old landfill is being closed. This is a problem. So we're hauling in all kinds of dirt and covering it till it's two feet under the ground, and that's acceptable with the government. We've taken out as much as we can, and the rest is just, it has to be covered Okay, so this is this is, gets to one of the things I'm really curious about. What did waste look like on Cortez back when you got here? Like, w was there anything recycled? How much were we able to keep on island and just deal with ourselves? Tell me about the history of, of waste on this island. Well, the center really started getting organized when Dova became manager of it. And Dova worked really hard in finding streams for this material. It was a convoluted way back in the day. It had to leave. It left in oyster sacks, like plastics and oyster sacks. So you could have a thousand oyster sacks trying to get it out. 
And as it was developed and streams and systems were implemented, we got bailing machines. So it all, and if anybody really wants to come to the recycling and ask to see some pictures, when there used to be the two burners in the center and there was one end to the other of the hole going up to the barn was just filled with scrap metal. We have pictures of, of the old facility and what, how they started. And it was just what they had to work with. It was nothing. And everything that has been implemented there and and systems put in place was Dova originally, with the, along with the Comox Valley Regional District. And then when I took over, it just... It just so happened the time I took over, the government and the Comox Valley Regional District got a new manager for waste management, and a lot of new programs have been implemented over the last five years. Seeing, just keeping stuff out, like we're a complete Encorp Electronics collection agency. So we take TVs, we take stereos, we take your computers, we take all that now. We're a CSIS collection agency which i said is a canadian electronic stewardship association which is all your toasters your fans your microwaves your all those type of appliances we collect paint all paint products if it has a label and a lid on it we accept it we have used fuel we have hazardous household materials if it has a label on it we accept it we have a light bulb program we have a battery program. We have an oil collection program. <sighs> and it just keeps going on and on of the programs they're creating to divert these things from landfill. And we're doing good. We just need to keep working on styrofoam, soft plastic, and the other flexible packaging at this point. And absolutely no electronics, no printers, no TVs, anything in the landfill and or construction containers at any time. There's no need for this anymore. We have proper programs. So people should, so people should bring these to the recycling center and make sure that they're pointing them out to the staff. Or passing them on to the staff. We'll take them off your hands right there. Unless it's a large TV, then we need to go up to the barn with it. But if it's just a toaster or a lamp or a flashlight or a handrail or something, we'll take it right at the building. We have a bag in there. One of the things people are not happy with, and we have no control over it, is we had to take over the barn. We tried an experiment for, I think it was five or seven years, of taking couches and mattresses and dressers and all this. But a good percentage of the... Th items put or putting in the barn was junk so we ha the staff has to spend hours and hours and hours a year cleaning up what people think could be passed on and it came to the point that it is far more important to keep electronics and vacuums and televisions out of landfill and if you have the mattress you want to get rid of or a couch we suggest to everyone advertise it on Tideline there's a bunch of community boards outside the co-op, outside Manson's Hall, outside Bertha's. Put a paper up like the old days with 20 phone numbers on the bottom and someone can tear off the little strip and we have to get better at advertising not in the recycling center that you want to give this away. 
It seems like a pretty easy thing to accomplish, but people don't want to do it. They just want to bring us the moldy mattress and say, somebody might want this. Well, yeah, somebody might, but on our limited piece of property and the amount of new programs that are being created that are way more valuable, used furniture really isn't in our, in our scope of work at all. I heard once about this radio show where the entire time it's just a live radio show and, and people call in and talk about like the couches or the dog or the whatever, the, the, the ex-wife that they don't want anymore that they're, <laughs> they're getting rid of. So, so I, I thought this is a great idea for, for a partnership. <laughs> yeah. A community board you know, <laughs> or word of mouth. You, you might know someone who wants it and we just have to do it. People say, oh, build a bigger um, free store. Not on that property because the free gro- the free store has progressed over the last ten years. That it's it's a huge huge thing on the island. However, we don't have the parking where it is. We don't have room to expand where it is. It causes a nightmare for us to run the facility when we got forty cars in there just for the free store. They continually park in front of the recycling building and go up to the free store and we constantly have to go up there and ask them to move their vehicle when i have to look out my office window and also just a person's name i'll mention when i have to see doug butt with his cane walking across from the other side of the parking lot to use the recycling building when there's five cars there empty and they're all up in the free store no this is not acceptable Half the demographic of our island is over 60 years old, and we need to respect that. The younger ones, I really don't care where you park to go up to the free store. You can park. We have a long driveway that goes all the way out to the road. It's not an issue where you park. But people that have lived here long term are in their senior now. They deserve the respect to have the opportunity to just walk a couple feet and do their recycling. And... A lot of people get mad at me, but I'm on these vehicles like crazy. People are sick of me. Yes, I know. I shouldn't have left my vehicle there. Then why did you? Why did you? Now, let's be grown-ups here. And the facility is about mutual respect. So if you want to be respected, we ask that you respect us and all the systems we've set up. People forever say, oh, I didn't know that was there. Well, now we have over 30 signs all around the facility and people still last week Yvonne Kip put a thing on Tideline somebody threw a TV in one container out of three containers last week one had a VCR one had a TV and one had a printer why why this has been over a year we've had these programs now and people continue so they say well I didn't know well now there's a sign eight feet from the container telling you what does not go in that container those signs have been there for four or five months now and last week there's a vcr there's a tv and there's a printer there is no need for that and the region refrained on our signs from putting it on there but in other areas on the bottom of the sign it says three hundred dollars a ton fine for dumping electronics in these Uh, i asked the region could you leave that on our sign maybe it'll put a little more importance to people 
but they felt no not right now we won't do that if we have to put another sign up saying three hundred dollars a ton so if that container weighs three tons when it leaves here and you got caught throwing a tv in there that could cost you nine hundred dollars so is this what we need to make people aware i think not i think our signage the words coming out of the staff's mouth i have an awesome awesome staff wendy aaron and alan all four of us are because we want to be there. We're not there because, oh, I have to work. I have to find a job. We are all there because we want to be there. We want to be part of this. And we get a little snarky with people who sometimes who don't want to participate in the program. And it's really not fair. But, okay, you know, we're all adults here. Let's look towards tomorrow and let's do better. That's all we have. Let's do better every day. If you've been told not to throw a VCR in there and I get my binoculars up in the office and I see you throwing one in there, what kind of an attitude do you think I'm going to have coming towards you? Because it goes right down the line. Then I'm in trouble with the regional district. The regional district's in, in trouble at the landfill. It just goes on and on and on. And it can stop right here with individuals. So what if you do have an old moldy um, mattress that you finally taken off Tideline because nobody wants it? Does that go into um, the landfill? Do you take it there and, and dump it in the dumpster or can that be taken apart and recycled? What, what's the thing to do with that? It goes in the construction containers. Now, since I started there too, I've implemented on the one side there's three containers for your landfill. They are the ones with the lid up in the air. And that's for your household garbage. Your stinky household garbage. To reduce the amount of crap going in there, I implemented two construction, we call them, containers with open lids right across from there. Any mattress, any tarp, any piece of foam, any old mattress, any broken plastic barrel, anything that is the animals are not going to rip apart goes in construction. That's your old couch. That's your great couch that nobody wanted. We're not, we can't have, like, we have no spot for it. So, unfortunately, if no one else wanted it, that might be telling you something. And please don't ask us to put it in the barn, which is now for electronics. Please don't start a 20-minute conversation with me on how we should change us to accept these things when nobody wants it. The amount of coaches we found out there with dead rats in them and, and mold and their stink that somebody, one man's treasure, yes, is another man's, you know, but we only have limited room there. The sign is going to be changed out front because it's falling apart, but the name of the facility is the Cortez Island Waste Management Center. Back in the day, we called it the Recycling Center. But it's beyond recycling now. There's all these other electronic programs, you know, like I said, paint programs, oil programs. The way the facility is set up, we do not have room for these things. Unfortunately or fortunately, I don't know how to look at that. But my mandate does not work you know saving someone's old couch it just it's not for us there at at the center 
if someone wants to find out or put up a building and pass this stuff on and save it, more power to you. But we cannot at that facility. We're going to start the radio show where we find everyone's unwanted things. <laughs> I feel like a live radio show at the Waste Center would be endless entertainment. Uh, we can consider that at some point and asking people when I catch them, why did you throw that TV yeah, in the landfill yeah, and put yeah. the mic up to their mouth? And, and, Hello, and John you Doe. listen to the explanation. I've heard them all. Same as at the counters. We were going to start a book of the, the things we hear. This isn't mine. I didn't know that was in there. I don't know where it came from. And we don't know what you want us to do when you say these things. Yeah, it's on our counter now. Um, but it's not mine. Okay, well, tell your neighbor to do a better job then, please, if you're going to be bringing their recycling. Because the point will come. If this keeps going on, we will document names. We will document license numbers and pass these on. If verbal doesn't work... If over 30 signs doesn't work, there has to be something. And if fines have to be the way, that will maybe come down the road at some point. Like I said, we, the regional district refrained from putting that $300 a ton on our signs because we want public's participation. We want everyone being on board. A lot of people, oh, we never used to do that. Well, excuse me, you didn't live here. I've been here almost 30 years, so when people are telling me that I've lived here six or seven years, oh, we never used to do that. How do you know? You weren't here. And where do you get that attitude? You came from an urban area in the last six or seven years where everyone has these programs. Why do you feel you can come to Cortez and just throw everything in the landfill? No, there's some growing up to do. We've tried our best to educate through signs, through verbal. My staff is awesome. We explain, we, we spend a lot of time doing this, and a point comes where there's no more we can do. And other, other avenues will have to be looked into on how do we handle this. I, th- um, I feel like we're actually ahead of the curb here, right? Because I think for a lot of people, garbage is something out of sight, out of mind, right? And it's just like a relief, like, oh, I don't want to spend the time, so I'm going to throw it away. But we live on a tiny little island. I mean, until relatively recently in history, all that garbage would have just been in our backyards. We would have had to deal with it all ourselves, and we would have had to get way more thoughtful about everything we were bringing into our lives because it was going to have to, you know, I can't even imagine digging a hole in my you know, entirely granite, you know, yard to, for my old couch. That's what people did. So I feel pretty, um, you know, incredibly lucky, even though, it, you know, it is a thing. Every time I have a guest now at my house, it is this major conversation that I have because I have to get them educated mm-hmm. on their waste because I don't want when they leave to have to pick through no. their garbage, which I do mm-hmm. pretty much every time anyone comes mm-hmm. because no matter how much I talk to them, they seem to not be able to get the fact that your prawn shells cannot go right. in with the recycling. You know? <laughs> Nor do you want to look me in the eyes at the other side of the counter at the recycling center when you dump that and I, I see your shrimp and your prawn come out. <laughs> the look on my face. <laughs> yeah. So you know you don't want to come and do that and yes you do want to pick up after your guests then. Yeah. Yeah, and it's a lot of work and it makes you think a lot more carefully about whether it's Very worth it. Not only that, but do I need to buy it then if if this package, you know, there's a whole consumer end of this too. That the packaging, you know, do you really need that? Like I I again, I can't cut anyone up and 
but I know how my life's changed since I worked at and then became manager at the recycling center. There's a big learning curve for all of us. One of the things that I noticed being fire warden in the past and out in the bush, we refrained from dumping stuff in the bush, which is fantastic because you used to go down some of the roads or down some of the trails and there'd be a couch or there'd be an oven or there'd be this. A few years ago, a bunch of people went around and our island is relatively clean now and we do not get people just dumping their stuff out there. In that aspect, some of us have grown up. And also, the island changed. So people who lived here for 40 years, and that was their style of doing that, they're no longer with us. And as new people go come here and we educate them, or they've been educated in the city, we're relieving the forest of that garbage. Yeah, which is, I appreciate that perspective. And also, um, I'd like to add to that, that things have really changed because a hundred years ago, yeah, you may have dumped your couch in the woods and that was just the way everyone did it back then, but they were also not full of chemical flame retardants. Correct. They were not, you know, made from plastic that was never going to biodegrade. And so it may have been ugly then and not great, but it was not literally 50 pounds of poison like it is now. Correct. The- it's just amazing what this world, what we make things out of, and it's just so disgusting. But I t- again, I can't, I only have a job that I can do. I can't change the world. I can try and move some Cortez people into the right direction with what we can do here, but I have no control over the world, and it's just pathetic, in my opinion, out there. And we have to get better. Cortez Island, a great many of us are doing better. And we just got to keep working on that. We just got to keep that vision. And hopefully people, we lead by example there. And hopefully people see that. A lot of people do. A lot of the elderly on this island, they come up to me daily. Oh, Brian, what a fantastic job. And I don't look at it like that. I'm doing doing my job and our staff's doing their job. But what these people see is their tax dollars being spent in a way that they it makes them happy. It's not they're not reading an article and more of their tax money went out to drain, right? They can visually walk into that center and go, oh my God, what happened to this place? And a lot of people do that haven't been here in 10 years. They come for a vacation and they, what happened? And I, I'm the manager now. The regional district changed. Recycle BC entered the picture. There's just no need in these electronic programs. There's just no need to have that old attitude. So my boss, Jesse Lee, down at the Comox Valley Regional District, him and I, uh, we get along just awesome. And he just helped whatever I need. He he finds the funding, like like the five bins we have up for the landfill and the construction now, all those rails that were put in because it's a safety issue. A uh, gentleman, I believe, in the Kamloops got hurt very bad. And there was a lawsuit with that region up there or city, whatever it was. And I believe it was a million and a half dollar lawsuit. From that, every recycling center in BC had to put rails up around their containers. And some people start, oh, what a waste of money. And what I found, again, the demographic of this island is half of it's over 60 years old. They feel so safe when they go to throw their bag of garbage in now or their scrap metal. They're, they don't have the fear they're going to fall in there. And they tell, this is the greatest thing. Thank you for the safety. 
and I, again, it's, I didn't do it. The government did it. But you watch people that feel so much better around that center. And it's amazing. It can be a lot of fun some days. And other days it can be very stressful. But we have some awesome people here. And we love it. Like we love our job. I, I really appreciate too how you've set up the center so that it just going there is instructional. One of the things I notice you you mentioned um, the seniors on the island, and I've always noticed that with my grandma and my grandpa who grew up in you know in times where like during the depression and mm-hmm. things like that where you valued all your things, but also where nobody was doing it for them. Mm-hmm. Nobody was just taking away the garbage, right? Like they had to figure out mm-hmm. what you did with everything that they brought in the home. And my children are like that too. And I think in part because of you and the work that you've done, because they see that our waste does not just disappear mm-hmm. after we put it, you know, under the sink or whatever, that it's like you know, even if someone takes it away at the curb, it's a neighbor we know mm-hmm. that we care about. Mm-hmm. That we go to the recycling center, we see all these different parts, right? Mm-hmm. All these different things and where they're going to have to go and the amount of work that it takes to separate them and get them going to the right places. So I appreciate a lot the work that it takes to make that um, transparent. Yeah. Um, because it's just instructional in that way. So, what can we do? Have you seen good examples or models? For how we, as we're educating ourselves, how we also educate our guests and tourists that come onto the island so that we don't get overwhelmed by, like, we all learn and and start following the rules, but then there's still half of our waste, you know, for part of the year is just, you know, a complete mess. Yeah, well, uh, like I said, we just, everyone that comes in that facility, we try to educate them if, if they want to be educated. I had a couple come in today. I've seen them around over the summer. So, you know, they're a summer resident. They're in that demographic again that were all older. And they had questions. And every question was answered. And they felt bad that some of their stuff had to be thrown in scrap metal that we couldn't collect it and maybe somebody might want it. But they understood and they were just so thankful. And the next time they come, they know better. Like they know the new changes. Maybe they hadn't been here in two, three years. Well, things were different then. We weren't collecting other flexible packaging or styrofoam. Now we are. So I answered as many questions as they could throw at me. And now when they come in again, because I noticed today the amount of respect they had coming in, they're going to be better next time because now they have the information. And again, there's some that just don't care. And that's the world, you know. But we're working on anybody who cares or, like I keep saying, mutual respect. And uh, we work, we spend all the time that we need to with them, all of us. Aaron at the plastic window, he's forever trying to get people to distinguish between the two categories, explain it to them. We've been lax on having people crush or break down their cardboard boxes, but... With this, like I said, with the COVID now and people can only two at a time, it's imperative that people pre-break down their their cardboard. It saves so much time. And we try to keep the conversations just educational or questions. We try not to talk about the weather or the sick chicken at home or though. We try to keep it very, very informative for people so it keeps them interested too. That must be hard right now where we're all so desperate for human contact. 
we're, we're having a struggle with the free store. Everybody wants into the free store, but again, it's the provincial government and WorkSafe BC that is mandating these changes, and I'm for them. Again, back to half the island, 60 years plus, I'm one of them. We don't want to be infecting our people with COVID. If, if a case came here, the stores and the recycling, especially the recycling center, we are subject to almost everybody coming to us, whether they're local, whether they're a, a tourist, whether they're just there for the free store and didn't know it was closed. So that's why you see my staff, we're mandated to wear masks still at this point. But we are not there to pass COVID on to anyone or any kind of cold or anything. So we try really hard dealing with the government, dealing with people, and trying to be the voice of reason between all that. And again, most of them are good. But we tried the experiment. We set up all the mega bags in front of the building when COVID first started. And that was a colossal failure. People did not want to recycle or separate their plastic so they did not want to separate their bag with plastic tin cardboard paper in it they just we had people just throw it in one of the mega bags and walk away and that lesson there taught us not everybody wants to be educated and that was sad and so when I could finally get back in the building and get some control over this again we went back in the building mandated with staff wearing masks and moving forward because it was getting very frustrating for us very very frustrating and it was disappointing to see how we were treated by a certain percentage of the island day eh? and so we're back in we're doing what we can we're educating where we can and move forward from there but that was a bad time for us <laughs> very bad yeah and what do you see um as far as are you getting any word as to whether you'll be able to go back to normal operations soon um will there ever be normal operations again <laughs> we we have no idea at this time it's basically work safe bc and the provincial government keeping it closed but it's also our limitation to six vehicles in there at a time and we have to do what we're required to do eh? and we understand it's difficult in some people especially women with children they need clothes and but maybe we can create another avenue right now. Um, I don't want to mention anyone because I don't want to get them in trouble. But like I seen Linnea was doing something there with clothing. Eh? Maybe we need to set up a different until we come to the end of COVID. Or is there going to be an end of COVID? When I look, I hate watching TV because when I look down in the States, and again, I don't want to cut anybody up, but when I see what they're doing down there not respecting COVID and don't wear a mask and it's a bunch of garbage and I'm not there to lay judgment on anyone I have to wear a mask so we all either need to be on the same page or who knows that facility could get closed down if COVID came to the island they feel that it's not in anyone's interest here they may close the facility so we don't know but for now because of the demographic because of parking and the amount in there and all of our volunteers are I hate using the word elderly but they're senior and we don't want to get one of those people infected they're just awesome awesome people and so we're just gonna go with what the government says and uh, and people well let's get younger volunteers well that doesn't work either because six foot spacing and a lot of the younger volunteers have children what are you gonna go home to your children because some Tourists from the States came up here and then, uh, no, that's too complicated. No, no, no. 
We're going to keep it simple. Six cars maximum to recycling. If you have any complaints, please call us a regional district or WorkSafe BC or Horgan, your, your provincial leader. But it's, we, it's what we have to do. Okay, so it's almost at two. I have some, I, I, I think we're going to go now to music in a moment. Okay. And, but, but you're not off the hook yet. Okay. I've, I've saved some of my hard questions for after the break. Okay. And this is the time where you, dear neighbors, can call in and ask your questions. We want to hear from you. This is CKTZ 89.5 FM, Cortez Community Radio. I am really lucky to have today Brian Feifel from the Cortez Waste Management Center. So you can call today and get your recycling waste dreams, questions, unknowns answered. Take this opportunity if you're interested. Oh, oh the phone is geez. ringing off the hook. Oh, no. Well, you didn't I say complaints. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I can't answer it yet because I can't talk to you and answer the phone. So um, I'm going to just take a minute to put on the music and you can call in at 0200-250-935-0200. Whoever just called, please call back. I just couldn't talk and answer the phone at the same time. There's a lot of things going on. I may may make it seem easy, but (laughs) that's only today. Hey, Macklemore, can we go thrift shopping? What, what, what? What, 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 To the club, like, what up? I got a big. I'm just pumped. I bought some sh- from a thrift Whoa. shop. Ice on the fringe is so damn frosty. The people like, damn, that's a cold ass honky. Rolling in hella deep, headed to the mezzanine. Dressed in all pink, set my gator shoes. Those are green, draped in a leopard mink. Girl standing next to me. Probably should have washed this. Smells like R. Kelly sheets. But it was 99 cents. Copping it, washing it. About to go and get some compliments. Passing up on those moccasins. Someone else has been walking in. But me and grungy fucking men. I am stunting and flossing and saving my money. And I'm hella happy that's a bargain. I'ma take your grandpa style. I'ma take your grandpa style. No, for real. Ask your grandpa. Can I have his hand me down? The Lord jumpsuit and some house slippers. Dookie brown leather jacket that I found. Dig it. They had a broken keyboard. I bought a broken keyboard. I bought a ski blanket. Then I bought a kneeboard. Hello, hello, my ace man, my mellow. John Wayne ain't got nothing on my fringe game, hell no. I could take some pro wings, make them cool, sell those. The sneaker heads would be like, ah, uh, he got the Velcro. Whoa. I'm gonna pop some tags, only got $20 in my pocket. I, I'm, I'm hunting, looking for a come up. This is being awesome. Ow. I'm gonna pop some tags, only got $20 in my pocket. I, I'm, I'm hunting, looking for a come up. This is being awesome. What she know about rocking the wolf on your noggin? What she knowin' about?
Wearing a fur fox skin, Whoa. I'm digging. I'm digging, I'm searching right through that luggage. One man's trash, that's another man's come up. Whoa. Thank your granddad for donating that plaid button up shirt. Cause right now I'm up in her stunt. I'm at the goodwill, you can find me in the I'm not, I'm not stuck on searching in the section. Your grandma, your auntie, your mama, your mammy. I'll take those flannel zebra jammies secondhand. I rock that. Whoa. The built-in onesie with the socks on them. Whoa. I hit the party and they stop in that. Whoa. They be like, oh, that Gucci, that's hella tight. I'm like, yo, that's $50 for a t-shirt. Limited edition, let's do some simple edition. $50 for a t-shirt, that's just some ignorant. I call that getting swindled and pips. I call that getting tricked by business. That shirt's hella dope. And having the same one as six other people in this club is a hella don't eat gang. Come take a look through my telescope. Trying to get girls from a brand, man, you hella won't. Man, you hella won't.
That's the magic number. Yes, it is. It's a magic number. Two times three is six, and three times six is eighteen, and the eighteenth letter in the alphabet is R. There's three R's we're gonna talk about today. You gotta learn to reduce, reuse, recycle. Reduce, reuse, recycle. Reduce, reuse, recycle. Reduce, reuse, recycle. If you go into the market to buy some juice, bring your own bags and you learn to reduce your waste. Gotta reduce your waste. And if your brother or your sister's got some cool clothes, try them on before you buy some more of those. Reuse. You gotta learn to reuse. And if the first two R's don't work out, and you gotta make some trash, don't throw it out. Recycle. You gotta learn to recycle. You gotta learn to reduce, reuse, recycle. Reduce, reuse, recycle. Reduce, reuse, recycle. Reduce, reuse, recycle. 'Cause three, that's the magic number. Yes, it is. It's a magic number.
This is CKTZ 89.5 FM, Cortez Community Radio. You are listening to Folk University's Folk Talk Show. Today, we are really lucky to have with us Brian Feifel. Now, now, now I can say your name. I might be one of the only people on the island talking about the Cortez Waste Management Center, all the things recyclable, not recyclable, and really, I would say the heroic efforts of our neighbors to keep waste out of the landfill. Um, it's really inspiring what is happening here. I feel really grateful for all your work, Brian. And I'm really grateful for you, neighbor, for what you are doing and for some of you, including Karina, who called in with questions. I like questions. Questions are why this is talk radio. So I, so now, um, now's the, the quiz show part <laughs> where I get to ask the questions and, um, and Brian helps us figure out how we can do a better job. Okay. So one of the questions, um, all right, there's a lot of question around what is or is not picked up at curbside. Um, for our curbside pickup. And I do understand um, that this is a separate program, which I did not really fully understand before. So Brian, can you talk a little bit about that program um, and how it's separate, but then also another run through of what at least is not picked up curbside? We are one of the few places in British Columbia where everything goes to one center. So normally your curbside wouldn't even come to our center. It would go elsewhere. However, on Cortez, we only have one center, one landfill, so it all comes to us. Now it gets convoluted with Recycle BC and what's accepted in a curbside program and what's accepted at a depot. And there's little understanding to the difference from the off-island inputters. So the easiest way to explain this, and Henry and Margaret for sure run the curbside program through the SRD. I run the recycling center through the Comox Valley Regional District. So right there, there's two different entities involved, and together now they are the Comox Strathcona Waste Management. So it all comes to one stream. However, soft plastic, other flexible packaging, styrofoam, glass, and refundables are not allowed in your curbside program. We do take them at the recycling center. So it's very confusing for Henry and Margaret because they get all the grief from people. Well, why isn't this picked up? It's not Henry and Margaret's fault. It's the way these programs are set up. In reality, majority of this island go to the recycling center anyways. So... Henry's stated that if there's somebody that really can't get it to, for whatever circumstances, can't bring it to the recycling center, call Henry and he'll make arrangements to bring it for you. Now, so having said that, that doesn't mean everybody can call Henry this Saturday and ask him to pick up his glass. And This is for special circumstances. And unfortunately for Cortez Island, they are only to be brought to the depot. And we have no control over that end of it. We only try and control and get the public educated on what we physically can control. 
So the biggest one in the curbside is no glass, no soft plastic, no other flexible packaging, no styrofoam, and it's that would be great if you could just work on those items. Okay, so now the next big question um, that we got call-ins about, and somebody did just call in, and I was not able to pick up the phone because I can't answer the phone <laughs> and talk and run the radio system at the same time, but I can give you music in, uh, later so that you can call again. Um, so, but, so the other big question that people have is how do we know if it's soft plastic? The easiest way that they've explained this to us is if you can put your thumb through it, it's soft plastic. Now that gets convoluted there because your overwrap is a soft plastic, but some people think, oh, I can't put my finger through that. So the overwrap off a pop or beer or if you buy a case of vegetables or any of that overwrap on that, we're not talking stretch wrap, and we're not talking when you do construction, that type of wrapping. We're just simply talking about things you use in your household. So the plastic bag you get at a grocery store is soft plastic. Anything with a Ziploc is other flexible packaging. Same as the little bags you get your avocados in. That's other flexible packaging. The thing, and this isn't plastic, but it's like a cardboard, is those uh, tortilla chips in that, potato chips, popcorn, all those type of containers, they go in other flexible packaging. They're trying to come up with a fuel to burn this in a way that it creates a fuel. Soft plastic, apparently the ingredients are a little different in that, and that's a different stream. So to really get to the bottom of it, if you really want to know, when you come to the center, talk to Aaron. Aaron will take all the time he needs to to explain. We can show. It's easier to show you when we have two bags full of it because we can't remember every single little piece. But when you see it in the two different bags, you'll go, oh, I get that. And we can make it easy for you. If 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 someone's really trying... They're trying their best. They've got their soft plastic in one bag and they've got their other flexible packaging in the other. And, but they're just not sure. Hmm? They get to something and they're just not sure. Is it like, what, what, what do we do with it? If, if you're not there to answer the question or, you know, like, is it better to put it in other flexible pack- packaging? Put is it, it in better? one of the two bags, either okay. one, because we and, still have to go through it. Okay. Even though you might think it's all, soft plastic we very quickly go through it to make sure and if we find one or two pieces we put it in the other bag but if the whole bag is one piece of this one piece of that one piece of this one piece of that one piece of this it takes Aaron hours to go through it so if we can educate and we're like I said we'll happily educate anybody who asks at our windows we will spend the time and hopefully maybe a year from now Everybody's going to be on board and bang, when it comes through, we can get back to processing like we used to. We used to only have a few categories in the building. It used to be easy. But now with now even styrofoam, there's colored styrofoam and white styrofoam, which for us is two different categories. 
We don't care if you separate it. All the styrofoam can be together. However, we now have to now break that down into two categories. So it's difficult, but it's very doable. Very doable. It's not the end of the world once you catch on here. It's And when you know you're helping the world, when you're keeping it out of landfill, it becomes very rewarding. Well, now that I also, um, to refer to something you were talking about earlier in the program, now that I understand that what I'm putting out curbside is is not right now being processed through um, in the same way, uh, so therefore it's not being able to be bailed into these tight little um, bales of like only soft plastic or whatever, um, I feel extra incentive to come to the recycling center and and you know kind of do my part to get my waste very good because one of the problems now with us not bailing this it just going into these mega bags when it was being bailed staff had to touch every piece so we were pulling out the styrofoam we were pulling out the soft plastic we were pulling out the flexible packaging we're not doing this now because that whole mega bag gets loaded in a container and it leaves so now the problem's further down at Amterra when they dump this bag now. Now here's all this soft plastic that doesn't belong in there, this styrofoam, this because we don't touch it now. It's creating a problem off-island. So the, the more people we can get on board on this island, again, all the way down the road makes these streams efficient and less labor putting into something that could have been done right at someone's household, right in their kitchen, could have went in two different bags, is now being handled and handled and handled to get it out of the stream. So if we can work on that one, and holding your cardboard when you come to the, before, prior to coming to the window, this would stay, save us a lot of time. And not that staff's lazy. Staff, we, well, we got lots to do, but it, it's trying on some days when, like Aaron's whole day is, is just soft plastic, other flexible packaging, soft plastic, other flexible packaging, soft plastic, other flexible packaging all day long. I feel like we could just have a great show where where I say things and <laughs> yeah. then he says <laughs> soft yeah. plastic yeah. or other stuff. Exactly. <laughs> I think it could be quite fun. Um, okay, so speaking of which, okay. um, what, what are those... Like six rings that your your beer comes in. Okay. Um, yep. Not yours. Yep. No, you're, not mine. You're, you're not uh, alcoholic beer. <laughs> yeah. Uh, those don't matter. Okay. Because that is going in a plastic bag and it's going into a bale. So there's no chance it's going. Now, if you're throwing them in landfill, yeah, there's a problem because now it's in landfill. Now birds and raccoons and all other type of animals can get their necks stuck in it. And if it comes to our building, it's not a problem. We don't need to cut them up because it's already going into a bag that's going to be put in a bale that's totally taking out of the stream. It'll never be seen by public eyes or an animal or anything that can be hurt again. And is it soft plastic? That goes in soft plastic, yes. Okay. And then I have in a very old stove that's been sitting in my yard for the last six months. Can I bring it to recycling center to the dump it depends if you want to keep it in your yard as an antique or if you actually <laughs> I want do to not rid of it. <laughs> yes i can come to it there's no charge we take all appliances fridges and freezers there's a 15 dollars charge because the freon has to be removed off island 
So there's a $15 charge on those items. Anything else, there is no charge to taxpayers. Wow. We do not take tires. We have not taken tires for years. We're not supposed to be taking propane bottles, but because Riel separately is collecting scrap metal, he takes the propane bottles that we receive. We can only take them up to 40 pounds. No 100-pounders, nobody can deal with them. So propane tanks up to 40 pounds, we can take. Wow, we are really lucky. Um, Are there other challenging things like that I'm trying to see on my list um, that people might not know? Oh, batteries. Yep, we take all batteries, car batteries. Car batteries have to have the lids on them, not, not cracked. And we take all household batteries. It's called Recycle BC Battery Program, and we take we have been batteries we've been taking for quite a few years, but bring them to your tin window. Do not throw them in uh, scrap metal. Do not throw them in landfill. We have programs for them. What about something that like really scary old batteries oozing out all sorts of crazy looking things? How do we deal with that? What does we, a person do? No, I that I don't know because we can't take it at the center. Mm-hmm. And the Me. reality is nobody should have anything like that in their yard. So if you happen to have one like that, give me a call and I'll see what we can do with it and see what the region will let us do with it. But even something like that is not allowed on the ferry. So it gets really complicated here. People, oh, just ship. Well, it's now if it gets caught on the ferry... Like, we just can't do these things, these old practices that you used to get away with. It just can't be done. So if you do have a battery, a car battery like that, get a hold of us, and we'll see what we can find out for you. And how do we get a hold of you? You can call me at the Recycling Center, or my my if you go to the website, my number's on the website. Um, and do you know the Recycling Center number? 935-6329. And mine is 250-203-1510. Once again, the only radio show in the world for people to give out their personal personal number. And and under the the side of fuck you. What's this show about? Here's my number, fuck you. Fuck you. Here's my number. Hey, we aim to please here at Folk University. Um, this has been incredible. Um, I, I, I just feel (laughs) like there should be so many more questions. Um, what do you have lying around your house that you do not know what to do with? Yeah. Do you have, you know, like what's your, your big hope, dream, vision? Like, do you foresee that we might have a future here where, where we would just get really great, uh, uh, everything that goes off has a final destination that is not just a landfill that we are here might start using more of this stuff ourselves. What's your great vision for? That's up to the public and the attitude and how much they're willing to change. Like if we change for the future, all of us, we can create more programs. We can do more things with it. But the amount of programs we have right now, just trying to get people on board is, is enough for now. Right. Like there's so many, it's just unbelievable how many programs Recycle BC and the province have created. Like it's just, however, we don't take cars anymore. That's not 
a waste management thing. That's a scrapyard thing. We do not take trailers. We do not take boats. When I started there, there there's probably 20 old broken down boats there that cost a lot of money for taxpayers to get taken out of here. There's a certain amount of responsibility that taxpayers need to take on their own, like their used vehicle and their old broken down boat and the camper trailer that's been in their yard for 20 years. This isn't a waste management responsibility. This is a homeowner and being a responsible homeowner. So some thinking needs to change. You can't want to blame everything. Oh, the recycling center doesn't take this. I don't know what their problem is. Well, we know what the problem is. We are only allowed to take certain things. And we're not there for everything. We just simply aren't. And nor are we expected to do a waste management program. You, you very nearly manage everything. I think you're we doing a pretty we incredible really, job. We really, really try. Um, and yeah, <laughs> I, I'm just thinking, I'm laughing at all the um, cars I have seen just in my short time on the mm-hmm. island where, that have been left on the side of the road <laughs> with no plates. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> with just sort of it the happens. hope that something. It used to happen something... a lot more 25 years ago. <laughs> yeah. Now. And clearly even longer because all of us have seen the cars yeah. that are, yeah, 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 um, yeah. you know, a hundred years old <laughs> that are well, in the forest. Well, we know used to drive them too. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to hear those stories one day. And one other thing that is a problem, we do not take used toilet tissue we do not take dirty kleenexes and we do not take dirty paper towels so if you could please refrain from putting those in your paper it would go a long ways from getting a really disgusting look from staff that (laughs) these do not belong in recycling peed on toilet paper i'm sorry we cannot recycle and it's happened i'm not making this up it happens quite often in your compost please (laughs) thank you so much brian this has been really informative i have learned a lot i hope you have learned a lot as well neighbor we're gonna get have a little bit of music now um and then we have your neighbor and mine miyako reed on to talk a little bit about what's happening in her garden you can call in. You might have another minute or two before Brian walks out the door and ask him your last question if you hurry at 250-935-0200. You're listening to Folk University, Folk U Talk Radio on CKTZ 89.5 FM. I'm trying to do that thing now where I play you some thematically appropriate music. Um, and then we will hear more. There's no 
by the syndrome called throw everything us away for a few hundred years there they just didn't think thank goodness that garbage has now gone extinct and there's no
Hello, neighbor. You are listening to CKTZ 89.5 FM, Cortez Community Radio, and on the web at cortezradio.ca. This is Folk You Talk Show, and perhaps my favorite part of the Folk You Talk Show is this little bit where I get to talk to all these incredible neighbors who are great in their gardens and they share their tips and their wisdom with all of us and I always get to ask my specific questions <laughs> so it's basically Manda's <laughs> advice uh, advice column so thank you today to Miyako and is your last name Reed and I'm quite excited. I have been hearing um, from neighbors for many years about the fantastic things that Miyako is able to grow and create. So it feels like a real honor to have you here. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. Um, all right. So let's start with a little bit about you and how long you've been gardening. I moved here 2009, so so since then. And did yeah. you only start gardening after you came here? Yeah, but I grew up in the countryside, so my mom had a garden, and yeah, so that's only my knowledge. The gardening was from the childhood, so everything else is like 11, 12 years ago started. Yeah. I I find this so inspiring how people who, um, like, I look up to you and I think, oh, well, but you just must have always gardened. You must, you know, just know this and have worked on hundreds of gardens. And um, But actually, a lot of us start at any time in our life, and it's okay. Um, and where did you grow up? Uh, in Japan, in Kyoto, but it's very countryside by the ocean. And is it similar um, is having a garden similar here to there? Yeah, like we were a little bit like out of the like a city. Like a, it's in countryside, but still so many people. But yeah. But the climate is similar. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, summers are longer there. Yeah. Hmm, that sounds nice. <laughs> <laughs> so, what kinds of things are you doing in your garden right now? Right now, I planted almost everything. I'm just waiting one garden bed to be prepared to just finish for Brussels sprouts for the winters. Yeah, so anything else is planted for now until garlic will get harvested. Then we'll change to the winter garden beds. So will you talk to me a little bit? Um, this is one of the things that... Uh, so I've been working on my garden for four years and I feel like now after four years of constant effort and trying to grow things, now I'm just at the place where I have good soil. Mm -hmm. And so what I'm realizing is that I actually have no idea about how to think about things like harvesting, mm -hmm. like what, like what is a strategy around harvesting so that I continue to have food? Um, you know, all these lettuces that are gro um, growing, kale, a lot of greens and radishes and peas. How do I harvest in such a way that I'm making the most use of these plants for the longest amount of time? And then how do I think about like winter and, and fall planting and growing? Like what can I realistically grow here and where do I put that stuff? Right. 
Like, I'm really not good at that part, actually. <laughs> I can see a lot of kales and like a lot of salad needs to be harvested. So our food is always from what we have in the garden. So we might need to eat salad for three weeks straight. That might be the main like, food to eat. Yeah. So, yeah, I wish I know <laughs> like how to prepare. Like A lot of people has or some, some of our friends has the note for every year. So they when they plant it and like every single thing they put in the note so they can have the schedule more constantly. Yeah, but for me, it's just what I see in the garden and use that for to eat. But how much of your food do you grow? Um, we... D- we don't usually buy like uh, produce from spring to fall trying like uh, we could of course can go and buy it but we need to use the things that we have yeah um and what are your favorite things to grow um eggplant (laughs) but i'm not like i can't grow much but i like eggplants just my personal (laughs) things yeah. And are are eggplants like tomatoes to grow? I mean, are they do they need a lot of sun and heat and um or like anybody can grow an eggplant? I'm not sure. I think it's a hard one. Yeah, I'm still learning. And yeah, I know it's like I think the starts you put in the ground needs to be big. Then you can have a good crop, I believe. That's why what I learn, but I don't usually have a big plant. To put it in the ground but you still get stuff it still works yeah yeah are you growing any um asian cabbages yeah oh, i like a i can't get them to grow crinkly, like yeah baby one yeah yeah and and have they worked for you and yeah, do you that have was any the best, might be the best cabbage like i can, we can have in our garden oh and so what is your strategy like when did you plant your cabbage do you direct seed them do you start them like how do you do it um so our garden has so many wood bugs so i can't direct seeds most of the stuff so i start every single plant in the greenhouse except carrots i think or radish or something like root veggies i start like peas beans like every single things in the greenhouse and then I'll transplant. Yeah. Um, and have the wood bugs for you been worse this year? Lovna was on, uh, maybe that was two or three weeks ago, uh, with a lot of natural strategies that she's using in her garden. She said this is the worst she's ever had, the wood bugs. Yeah, not for us. Yeah. Yeah, this year, like, I usually plant cucumbers with, a, like, some kind of, um, um, what's it called, Sc- scallions or like leeks. I heard that's a good companion plant. So I usually plant together so the wood bug won't eat the plant. But actually this year I didn't use it, but they're still surviving. So it's not bad for us. Uh And do you do do other companion planting? Uh, Brassica and lettuce. Um, Maybe those and how do you like do you just do this by trial and error you get ideas from neighbors i'm really excited about this idea of companion planting but then i i 
um haven't really done any of it yet um what are i mean i am planting things together but sort of willy-nilly right my gardening knowledge is all from island people like i don't use google or maybe i have a little books sometimes i check but usually only west coast sees planting chart and if i have a question i'll ask friends or neighbors um which i mean what i'm already seeing just with this little show every, i mean even a lot of people i'll talk to and they'll say oh no i don't know anything and you know i go into their gardens and, <laughs> and i'm just blown away right? right it's an incredible forest of food right. and and people are so humble and they'll say oh no you have to talk to so and so you know their neighbor right. who um, and it's amazing the gardening knowledge on this island um, uh, is incredible. So, um, so what are you like, what will you save room for or make room for to plant this fall? Um, Say that again. Like what will you be planting this fall for, for winter harvest? Do you do leeks or have you already planted those? What? Yeah, we didn't have leeks seeds this year. So I'm planted Japanese leeks instead of, western leeks (laughs) so hopefully we have enough for that for the winter and i planted brussels sprouts for one bed and i have one more bed to plant can you plant those now i think so (laughs) i i don't know i i I, I usually run out like energy and scheduling in the beginning of the spring and don't have a good system for the winter planting Oh, this makes me feel so much better. <laughs> I'm like, oh, or I love yeah. the idea that I would actually yeah. track everything I've planted and when I planted, and yeah. I'm never going to do that. Yeah. But I might mm-hmm. plant Brussels sprouts if you tell me it's not too late because I love I the idea. I think it's good. I think it's good. So things that we can grow over winter here are now Brussels sprouts, kale, leeks. What else? Um... Cabbage. Cabbage. We usually have carrots mm-hmm. most okay. of the most of the year in the ground. And Mizuna is good outside. Um okay, so this leads me to the other thing that I know that you grow. Um, which are chickens. Right. And you um y- <laughs> In the in the community of people like me, I've been uh, raising chickens for about three years now, and um, I still am just so new, and pretty much I have to call my neighbors whenever anything goes wrong. But people are always like, "Oh, well, just ask Miyako, or you know, Miyako has the you know the beautiful chickens, or Miyako um, will tell you." So, how long have you been doing chickens? I think it's six years. And did you have any experience before or you just dove right in? I couldn't touch chickens before. <laughs> so my first experience for chickens was actually on Cortez when we were caretaking a house up on Somi Road. That was my first year. And our neighbor had the chickens. It was old. I didn't know anything. Then she left to visit her family in the spring and I was the only one house sitting next door and her chicken died. <laughs> then I didn't know what to do. 
also I called other neighbor and the other neighbor came with Lavna's um, tea bags, <laughs> like a big bags, big sack. And we just shoved the chicken in and put it in the totes until we know what to do. <laughs> okay, so you, but that inspired you to start raising chickens or you're like, well, nothing could go worse than this. <laughs> sure. I didn't want to do chickens for many years and we didn't have place to do it. And we got the house seven years ago. Then after we got the house, we started to thinking about it. But now it's really nice. And so what do you like about having chickens? And, and if someone were just to begin, how would you kind of, what kind of, what's the pep talk you would give them as far as like encouraging them to get started? Oh, it might be funny, but we named the chickens. And I believe if you name the chickens, they're less to get eaten by predators. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> it's a completely Cortez. Um, and I, I think that could be true. Yeah. Um, and how many chickens are in your flock? Uh, we have two different flocks now because we just hatched the eggs three weeks ago. But old flocks are 15 hens and... We have 23 chicks. And then will you integrate those two? Like, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And do you have any strategies? Because I have, I have new chicks um, and I have an existing flock. Um, and this is my first time of taking little baby chicks that have not just been brooded mm -hmm. and integrating them. So I've been wondering, like I've been trying to come up with all these strategies about how I could do it. So um, how do you do it? We keep them separate until they're strong enough to get picked on from the bigger flocks and also we try to do the same amount of like uh, numbers so if you have five hens old one then try to put them five or more oh that's so smart so yeah. you don't want to have too few and like no. coming into the flock no Oh, great. Oh, this makes me feel happy. Okay. Because <laughs> <laughs> we have just about okay. the same numbers that are coming in. But I don't have any for sure things because that's all from friends or neighbors told okay. me what to do. And so then what do you do with all of those roosters that you end up with? Or do you get pre-sexed ones? No. Um, we need to say bye-bye. Uh -huh. Yeah. And then do you eat them? Uh, we have a friend that can take it. So we'll ask them to come get them. This is the hardest part for me. Having chickens <laughs> yeah. is like we end up, yeah. we've, all, we've managed to successfully yeah. rehome all of yeah. our roosters, but yeah. I feel like this cannot be, um, yeah. you know, and I'm not raising meat birds. And so then I go and buy chicken. Right. I, right. You know, I right. understand there's an irony in it and right. I have to get to the next level. Right. Yeah. Like we don't eat much meat. And yeah. So it's more work. Work. Yeah. Yeah, and um, uh, and then once children are involved and names, <laughs> it's harder. It's harder. Yeah, yeah, they really don't like that happen. So it's nice for us to have a friend that can take and they can take away when they're alive, and they can use it for good. For good. Yeah, I like it. Do you have any other words of advice or encouragement for us? Um, new uh, gardeners and um, out there on Cortez that you'd like to share? Um, oh, I think it, when, if you have a question, you'll ask your neighbors. 
I, that is a fantastic um, folk university uh, tagline right there. Okay. Ask your neighbors. We are we are here to help each other. Right. And that is the point of folk university. Miyako, thank you so much for being here and sharing your wisdom um, and your encouragement with your neighbors on Cortez. It's wonderful to have you. And thank you, neighbor, for tuning in to another Folk You talk show. I hope you learned something new today. I sure did. Don't forget that you can find all of our past shows at folkyou.ca. Folkyou.ca, and you just go to the tab that says podcasts. So this is a pretty new thing. I'm proud of it. Please do check it out. And if you wish you knew more about what was happening on Cortez, Quadra, and the surrounding islands, don't miss the news and podcasts at cortezcurrents.ca. They also host all of our past folk you shows there. So um, I'm a fan for multiple reasons. You are listening to Cortez Community Radio, CKTZ, on the web at cortezradio.ca. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we will meet up again next week. Bye.